Beers and Tears would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land from which we conduct this podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waterways and sky of this beautiful place, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all First Nations people present today, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This episode is proudly sponsored by the beautiful studio space at Small Time Group. Supporting emerging artists to refine their products, develop a plan, and connect with peers and the industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today, I'm joined with Kafaya. Hello. How are you guys? Hello. Good. Yeah, Thanks, good. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's okay. It's a pleasure. What What time is it for you again? It's It's not actually that early. You know, we're just musicians, so it's like yeah. nine o'clock. Oh, that's all right. I wouldn't be up at <laughs> nine o'clock either. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to take me back to when Kefaya began and um, how you guys met and formed the band? Yeah. Um... So we we probably when do we meet Al? We met like probably two thousand seven. I'm gonna say something like that. Yeah, and we kind of started jamming and just playing music together um, in Leeds because we were both studying at Leeds College of Music. Um, and then we met. You knew Juliana already, didn't you? And then you'd kind of done some stuff with Jules before. And we just kind of started playing music together and we kind of um, mostly were playing sort of protest songs and kind of fusing different sort of styles together and kind of just experimenting um, at the start and kind of gigging around Leeds in the north of England. Um, Yeah, that kind of, yeah. It was pretty loose, wasn't it, for quite a while. I mean, I don't think we were ever really sort of made this decision that we're going to start a band we were just sort of i don't know it felt like we were playing with a lot of similar people and similar scenes and then we got started getting weird offers for gigs and then a few years later it sort of became a band but it was yeah it was very kind of open and loose for a while yeah, yeah. and the band name kafaya has a bit of a meaning behind it do you want to chat a little bit about that yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was sort of influenced. We were sort of trying to find a name. Uh, like you said, we were sort of playing a lot of protest music from, you know, sort of different countries. And there was a definite sort of um, political impetus in what we wanted to do as musicians. Um, and then that name, I think we sort of learned about through the Arab Springs, which happened. Um, and yeah, it was, um, I think we were sort of influenced by what was happening in these movements and we felt the name sort of reflected a sort of political sentiment we had, maybe some sort of sense of solidarity we had with these movements that were happening as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's where the name came from. Cool. And you mentioned that you kind of, yeah, take a bit of a political stance um, when it comes to your music. How... I guess when it comes to politics, there's always a bit of like there's two sides to a lot of things that happen within the news and stuff. How do you guys kind of deal with 
or like the yeah, opinions, I guess, that might come with the music that you're deciding to put out. I think that's something you accept, I guess, when you, you know, decide to make certain political statements, you accept that there may be some kind of backlash. And I mean, I don't think so far we've not experienced anything too horrific. <laughs> Although saying that, I mean, our last album was with um, uh, this collaboration with Alaha Suro, who's this, you know, singer from Afghanistan, um, quite outspoken singer. And I think, unfortunately, you know, she has faced on a more personal level, you know, sort of abuse. And um, yeah, I think she's probably faced, you know, certain um certain amounts of criticism and abuse because she's you know afghan and a woman and i think that unfortunately puts her in a more sort of vulnerable position in that sense mm. um and also i think to do with her specific links to you know um you know maybe certain things she said are particularly antagonistic to people in specific religious communities or um cultural communities so, but I don't know, I, I feel we've not had too heavy backlash to deal with as yet. <laughs> yeah, it does get directed mostly towards Alaha um, in, in our experience recently, but yeah. Interesting. Mostly been mostly been quite positive response that we've that we've experienced anyway, like you know, from my from my point of view. Um yeah. Cool. And you guys create the instrumental aspects of the music that you make um what is yeah the decision behind pretty much sticking purely instrumental i think we we kind of started out as an instrumental band um i don't know if it was it's, it's not really a conscious decision to stay instrumental i don't think because we we've, we've kind of we've always operated as more of a collective of musicians. So there's a lot of different people that come in and out of that. Um, and there's, there's few singers that we work with or have worked with in the past. Um, so it's always kind of been quite flexible in that mm -hmm. sense. Um, yeah. I don't think it was necessarily a conscious, conscious yeah, thing. I, mean, we, I wouldn't say we're purely instrumental as well. I mean, the, our first album, we worked with like a range of different singers. I think yeah. one of the difficulties in this band has been finding like a single singer that I think, especially the way we cross through different genres and styles of music, even finding a singer that could speak like multiple different languages. And, you know, so we sort of work with multiple different singers. Um, I think also we sort of have a strong interest in uh, improvisation. So when we have worked with singers, we've often worked with singers that are, um, are great improvisers as well, that maybe almost treat their voice in a sort of more instrumental way anyway. So it's maybe more uh, improvisation based rather than uh, song or lyric based. Yeah. Although that's not what we did with Alaha. So, uh, yeah, I think we just like to have um, a sort of openness and flexibility in, you know, who we can bring into the project. Um, and I think there's something about a singer that really sort of locks down the image and identity of a project. Um, so maybe that's the re you know one of the reasons we, we avoided it. Cool. Yeah, interesting. We would like to take a short break to thank our sponsors at Bodriggy Brewing. Do you have a broad taste in music? Same goes for beer. Pick and mix your own slab via Bodriggy Brewing Co's Bundle Builder because no beer should be left behind. 
build yours online at bodrigi.beer. And you mentioned working with Alaha. Um, you worked with her on your album, Songs of Our Mothers. Um, yeah, do you, do you guys want to tell me a little bit about how you met Alaha and how that collaboration came to be and what it was like creating the album? I think um, Alaha kind of met Giuliano first. Giuliano is the guitarist in the, in the group. Um, and so Giuliano introduced her to, well, I don't know when when you first met Elaha, but like I started getting to know Elaha just through working with the project, and she was kind of getting more and more involved. It kind of it was quite a natural progression, really, into into working with Elaha, and it just sort of yeah, it just sort of evolved into this this current formation um, quite fluidly. I don't know when when did you first yeah, meet Elaha? I guess I would have met her around a similar time. I I actually met her doing um her own music um which then you started doing as well so we had this funny kind of crossover period where alaha was in london looking for a band to sort of travel around europe and perform um like afghan music for afghan sort of refugee communities around europe so there was this period where we were kind of her backing band and we were just kind of inundated with Afghan music. We were sort of trying to learn all these Afghan sort of party music and do all these gigs. And we didn't really, you know, we were sort of trying to yeah, learn this completely new sort of uh, musical language. And then at the same time, we were working on a Nuki Fire album and it just felt we were making this kind of really nice bond with her. And, you know, we were interested in what she was bringing, but then, you know, she was interested in, you know, how we were basically bastardizing <laughs> music. So it kind of, we met somewhere in the middle and, um, yeah, I guess we took it from there. Um, and what was the, how long was the recording process and what was that like? I mean, the, the, yeah, the initial recording process was i guess quite quick <laughs> we did it we recorded that record like the four of us essentially in in like a in a few days um yeah but after that i think you know like you know more than about this than i do i like you you were uh taking the reins on the production of this record but like it kind of yeah took took a lot longer after that didn't it it's true, yeah. So, yeah, we sort of did the initial sort of arrangements and recordings of the rhythm section, yeah, like you said, like very quickly. Um, and then there was the sort of lengthy process of um, producing that into a finished album. And um, there was quite a lot of guests on the last album. There was like uh, Yaz Ahmed was was on the album and Tamar Osborne, Sarati Korwad. was some, you know, we're really lucky. We had some quite cool guests. Um but, you know, we were all working full time in various different, we were workers, full time musicians, as well as being in this band. So it was a sort of lengthy process of trying to juggle our different work as musicians with uh, finishing the album. Um, we were also unsigned at the time. Um, we later signed the album with Bella Union, who are a great record company. But whilst we were making the album, we actually didn't have any um, support. So at the time, it was kind of self-funded and took a little while. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of the process, really. Um, yeah, cool. And what would you say was the most challenging and most rewarding part of creating the album? I think what, one of the most challenging 
things is is definitely trying to sort of understand an entirely different sort of musical language yeah. and assimilate it and be able to kind of um do your own thing with it interpret in in such a way that feels quite sort of honest and respectful at the same time um you know i think that's something that we we are still kind of dealing with as musicians like particularly in this this style just kind of finding our finding our way through working with alaha on these these kind of these afghan tunes and like kind of yeah getting to grips with that style of music um and applying it to our instruments which are obviously not traditional uh, instruments in any sense for that music mm. so you know we're, we're fusing a lot of a lot of ideas together constantly but trying to sort of do that in a way that doesn't sound too fusion i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think definitely i think it was really exciting as well sort of not having any guide for what we were doing like there was no sort of real references of you know a sort of afghan psychedelic scene that we were fitting into and all these other bands doing similar things it was very much like you said you know we were sort of it felt like what we we're doing was quite fresh and new in terms of you know how do we approach these sort of you know afghan folk grooves on synth and drum kit and electric guitar and you know it was kind of quite exciting that we really just kind of had to find our own approach and there was no guide to that and that was kind of felt quite sort of fresh and and exciting in a way mm. um, i think also just how how personal the album was to alaha and how deeply connected she was to the songs and the meaning of some of these songs and the stories of the songs as well you know there's i mean when you look at the stories of every song on the album is there for a reason and um some of the songs have you know it's got some pretty amazing stories behind them you know i mean a lot of pain and suffering but you know real beauty as well and just learning about this music and how alaha connected with this music and how it connected with her story as a, a female performer um from afghanistan um yeah it really didn't feel like we were just sort of making tunes it felt like there was a sort of you know more important deeper meaning behind you know this music which you know is was really you know exciting to be part of yeah amazing and do you guys ever find yourselves trying to learn certain traditional instruments just for the fun of it i've i've never kind of gone into you know yeah learning learning specific instruments um it's more like conceptual kind of things so like trying to take on board concepts from different musical cultures so um i mean me and now and juliano and Elaha, in fact have, have all spent quite a bit of time in india studying with teachers there learning about um like hindustani classical music also carnatic uh, music um and kind of with, there's a lot of crossovers there as well between in you know the indian classical side with and the afghan side as well there's there's quite a lot of crossover there so that i think is something that put us in quite a good position to start with you know exploring this this new territory with with alaha um but yeah i i haven't tried to uh, pick up any any traditional instruments yet i think that's uh that's the next step maybe yeah for sure <laughs>
And um, there's a track on the album that's recently been remixed. Forgive me for my pronunciation. Is it okay? Y- Jama Nareng? Jama Narengi. Jama Narengi. Look, I tried. No. <laughs> <laughs> so far off. Um, yeah, it was recently remixed um, by Rebel Elements. Yeah, I'd love to hear about this track in particular and going into the remix, how you guys feel about people, I guess, reworking something that you've originally made. Yeah. Well, I think firstly with that, I think um, like Rebel Elements is a, is a good friend of ours, Sam, um, from, up, from up north in near Leeds. So, and Sam is actually um, quite responsible for our first record in producing our first record. So Sam's got like a very kind of close connection with the band and, and what we do. Um, similarly with, with some of the other remixes that we've, we've had, you know, that quite often have been with people that we're very close to personally and they kind of, they share a certain philosophy with, with the music, um, with us about the music. Yeah, I think I think especially getting remixes of these tracks has been quite interesting because they're not, you know, they're not very standard in terms of the sort of time signatures and structures of the songs. So I think giving them to sort of producers, especially more sort of electronic producers, has actually been quite interesting. Um, sure. It's like uh, Wonky Logic also did a remix of that track. He did a really interesting remix. And then there was another track from the album, um, Gole Bihar, which we also had remixed, which is a really weird tune in the sort of wonky Afghan seven, sort of mixed with the sort of trip hop kind of approach. So it's quite interesting to give these kind of very specific sort of um, tracks to people to remix. I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, how people deal with sort of odd time signatures in remixes and that kind of thing. It's yeah, I, I love hearing remixes, hearing a, another person's take on something you've created. Yes, yeah, it's, mm. it's great. Cool. And do you guys have do you have a favorite song off the album or off of your music um, altogether, and why? as well (laughs) (laughs) that's difficult that's a difficult one yeah i i think from the last album i think maybe the track that moved me most is uh gole sadbarg um i mean yeah i like lots of different tracks for different reasons but i think that track particularly really stuck with me when we were recording the recording the album um i think as much as anything because of the the story of the song um it was by this uh afghan composer called abe mirza he was a very famous folk singer in the uh, 1970s um she was persecuted horribly for being a, a female performer she was imprisoned for years and tortured and publicly humiliated purely because she was a, a woman and continued to perform. Um, and after she came out of prison, she basically never sang again. Um, she recorded one last song, which somebody recorded on a sort of handheld tape recorder. And this was basically the recording we were using as a reference. Um, and this was this, you know, her singing about the fact that 
you know, like everything had been taken from her, that she was no longer able to perform. It's quite a deep, heavy song, you know, and um, and I remember in the studio, we were kind of listening to this scratchy old recording of her singing this and just realising how sort of, you know, um, poignant this song is. And yeah, that kind of really stuck with me. I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favourite song, but yeah, it was quite moving to arrange and be part of yeah be part of arranging this song yeah i think maybe from a different perspective then like um sort of like tunes like um golly Bihar, which kind of i feel like really kind of um succinctly kind of show quite a f- how our influences meet mm. so you know there's 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 definitely a lot of electronic music from, you know, producers like, you know, all the way back to stuff like Massive Attack that really is an influence, you know, that kind of comes into the sound. And that's something that I feel like really represents what we were trying to do at that time of like trying to kind of fuse these elements and and blur the lines between those things. And I think that that track mm. really represents that for me. Cool. And what do you guys, what are you guys listening to at the moment? Horse Lords. <laughs> Horse Lords. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of stuff. But that's a, that's a band that definitely listening to a lot right now. No, I'm just getting into lots of bagpipe music at the moment. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> bagpipes. Wait, I'm just obsessed with bagpipes at the minute. <laughs> but there's bagpipes from every country in the world and there's so many cool different types of bagpipes. Um yeah, that's what I'm into at the minute. Um, yeah, cool. yeah. no, Are there any Australian bagpipes? I don't know. Hey, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I can't gotta imagine be. there would be. There's got to be. There's gotta yeah, be. maybe. Maybe some odd form of a bagpipe somewhere. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> blown into a dead sheep at some point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> most natural thing in the world you know <laughs> and speaking of have you guys ever been to, to australia have you come to australia no never no so this will be coming into adelaide it will be your first time yeah yeah oh that's so exciting are you guys like gonna stay and like see around australia <laughs> i wish i wish i could say that but yeah i think we're well i'm not there for very long are you there for for longer yeah. I mean, we're there for like what two weeks? Uh, well, I think a week in Australia and a week in New Zealand, so we'll get a little bit of time, not as much yeah. as we would have liked, unfortunately. Yeah, oh my god, I can't believe that's the first time. That's great. And so, you're playing at Warm Adelaide in March. Um, who are you? I guess, who are you guys most keen to see from the lineup as well? I know that well because we we played at WOMAD in the UK um, last summer, so I know that um, Rizwan Wazam is doing the Quals thing again, uh, and that's nice. going to be great. Um, I watched them twice at, at WOMAD in the UK last last year, so they were amazing. Yeah, yeah. You should probably go and see something else, you know, like <laughs> diversify a little bit. But um, but actually, to be honest, I. I I haven't like seen the full lineup yet, so I need to like properly, it's properly great. have a look at that. It's yeah, great. yeah. <laughs> I had a little 
I had a quick look through the lineup, and yeah, definitely Rizwan was um, Kowal's amazing. Yeah, super excited about those guys. Um, I also saw the Ronu Majumdas playing, who's um, a Hindustani Bansuri plays. Absolutely amazing. Um, quite excited to see Billy Bragg. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen Billy Bragg and he's he's cool. I like Billy Bragg. Um like Coco Roco are wicked bands and like a few of them are friends and stuff. It's gonna be great to see those guys. I haven't seen them play since before lockdown, so definitely looking forward to seeing Coco Roco playing. Um so like Kronos Quartet are playing mm, as well, yeah. which is pretty interesting. I think one of the nice things about Walmart is also that you go and usually like half the bands you never heard before. And, yeah. you know, you just so I'm quite, quite excited about going with just an open mind, open ears and seeing, seeing what we come across. Great. Cool. Yeah. And have you been before? Have I been to Walmart or just Adelaide in general? Well, Walmart's is. <laughs> Is Adelaide miles away from you? No, no, it's it's like no, okay. it's like ten hours away from Melbourne. A drive, ten hour drive. Um, <laughs> like that. That's not, not miles far. away. Just ten hours. Is that <laughs> is that far? Is that, I don't know what's meant to be far. Like, <laughs> I guess it's far in terms of like Europe, where everything is very quite close together. But Adelaide's actually quite close, um, hmm. in terms of melbourne distance everything's like it's like melbourne's down here and then along the coast you'll get to sydney which is like eight hours away and then from sydney to like queensland is not that far it's probably about an hour or two drive depending on where you want to go but then adelaide's kind of this way so it's a bit more of a drive there's okay. general geography for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess my final question is, what does a Kafaya show look like? What can people who are going to see your set expect? I mean, it's usually pretty high energy, I'd say. Um, a lot of, especially festival shows we do, mm. is dance music, essentially. Um, there'll be a lot of stuff in um, Seven, in seven eight mm-hmm. a lot of afghan music is in seven so that's usually quite fun it's sort of heavy dance stuff but then people can't find the beat so that's <laughs> kind of quite interesting and fun but it's um yeah sort of heavy dancey electronic jazz there's definitely a big jazz and sort of improvisation element mm-hmm. um and then, yeah, at the moment, we're, we're still touring the last album, so it's pretty heavily focused on, yeah, music from Songs of Our Mothers and stuff that we're doing with Alaha at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone everyone gets to kind of play on this gig. It's not like it's not in like a, a, a singer gig, you know, in, in the normal sense where the singer is, is up front all the time and it's all focused on, on her, so everyone kind of gets to play in this band and where there's a lot of interaction um yeah so it's fun come to our gig (laughs) (laughs) well thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me it's been lovely yeah thank you thanks for having us yeah thank you